0: Hi there, I'm the Fence Post Magazine's Rachel Gable, and this is your podcast episode for October 1st. Redistricting in Colorado and Nebraska. One heads to the Supreme Court, the other has been signed by the governor, and the trillions of dollars being contemplated in Washington this week. Lots of complicated, uh, Lots of complicated information coming out about that, but we'll try to break it down for you. All those stories and so much more, in this week's Fence Post Magazine. (music) Redistricting efforts in Nebraska and Colorado both moved forward and Nebraska kind of came to an end this week with Governor Ricketts signing off on the uh, new districts there in Nebraska, facing the same problems that we were here in Colorado with a lot of rural areas being included in some of the more urban areas there in Nebraska. In, in Nebraska, it's done by a legislative committee and there were six maps that were approved and signed by Governor Pete Ricketts on Thursday morning. So those boundaries, uh, those maps have the boundaries for the legislative, congressional, uh, Supreme Court judicial, public service commissions, UNL Board of Regents, and the State Board of Education Districts. Uh, the changes that were made to some of the rural areas around Lincoln were some pretty big points of contention. Um, Mark McHarg, who is the president of the Nebraska Farm Bureau said that he appreciated the work of the 49 legislators and the quick signature of the governor's governor. Excuse me. Uh, He said, we recognize there's an ongoing shift in population in our state from rural to urban population centers. With that in mind, We ask of the legislature in the redistricting process was for the body to recognize the importance of maintaining rural voices in this effort, given the vital role agriculture and rural Nebraska play in our state. Agriculture is the largest driver of our state's economy, generating one out of every four jobs with those jobs being located across Nebraska. While not perfect, we feel the results of the legislature's efforts largely respected our ask for the betterment of our entire state. So, good news coming out of Nebraska those were signed uh, by the Governor uh Thursday morning in Colorado. Um, they did finally have congressional districts signed or not signed, but sent to the Supreme Court now there's some some talk about um some Hispanic voter groups wanting to challenge those maps, saying that the Hispanic vote here in Colorado is watered down by these current maps. It does take Greeley in uh, with a pretty urban district, which I don't know, but that's a terribly positive move. Um, First district's basically still Denver. Uh, Second is Northwest, Route Jackson, Larimer, Grand, Clear Creek, Gilpin, Jackson, Summit, and most of Boulder and Eagle. And then parts of Weld were in that one as well, as, as well as part of Jeffco. Third is most of Western Slope and Southern Colorado, including Pueblo. Uh, Fourth, Douglas County, Castle Rock, Loveland, Larimer County, and the Eastern Plains. Uh, The fifth district is Colorado Springs, including all the military bases in El Paso County. Sixth district is Aurora and much of Arapahoe County, as well as parts of Adams, Jefferson, and Douglas. Seventh district is uh, completely refigured, and it is a very competitive district with uh, most of Jeffco, Lake, Park, Teller, Chafee, Custer, and Fremont uh, counties there in the central mountains. And then the new eighth district includes the north Denver suburbs, Thornton, Commerce City, Brighton, and North Glen, as well as most of Westminster. And that's the one that got Greeley. So that's kind of an odd, odd mix there uh, with Greeley in there. I don't know what the answer was <laughs> of where where Greeley should go but I I would think that it would fall more toward um a rural area but uh so that map has gone to the Supreme Court and like I said we are kind of anticipating that there'll be some challenges to it we'll see what the Supreme Court says but uh they've got a deliver those to October 15th and then, um, house and, or excuse me, the house and Senate maps have to go to the Supreme court by October 15th. So I anticipate that we'll see lots of discussion about that. This poor commission, boy, it, there were, it was bipartisan. It's four uh, independent four Republican four Democrat. And oh my goodness, there were a lot of midnight phone calls and it was a pretty tense, uh, a pretty tense process, I think but I'm sure trying to come up with the maps that meet all of the constitutional requirements, I'm sure it was incredibly difficult. So uh, keep watching for more on that, and the maps are in the fence post this week. In Washington this week, we're talking trillions of dollars, and we're using thousands of pages to do it. They did raise to vote to raise the debt ceiling on the final day of September to fund the government through December 2nd, I believe. But the infrastructure bill still hanging and the major spending bill, the three and a half trillion dollar bill is still hanging. Um, As far as the ag portion of the provisions in that spending bill, you're going to have to summons your best Jan Brady and say, climate, 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 because that's all it is. Everything comes back to climate on this. And, and it's pretty frustrating. I, you could certainly read into the frustration in the Ag Committee on um, the minority opinion. Uh, that's led by Republican leader Glenn Thompson, who's from Pennsylvania, a Republican. And he said that it casts aside the House Agriculture Chair's commitment to find common sense solutions for farmers, ranchers, and communities. And it really does um, concentrate on that climate um, they said that the bill was unvetted and laced with short-sighted policies and that the review process was fatally flawed, resulting in a reckless and wasteful bill that ignores the immediate and critical needs of rural America. Um, the $3.5 trillion in spending is only one of the deep-seated problems with the bill, including the $89.1 billion within the jurisdiction of the House Ag Committee. So that's coming on the heels of trillions of dollars of COVID relief, hundreds of billions of dollars in deficit spending. And all of that, they said, has presumably gone out the door without any congressional oversight. Uh, The minority wrote that the legislation was drafted behind closed doors by Democrat leadership. It's unvetted. And Excuse me, the Republican members of the committee did not see the language until less than twenty four hours before the business meeting commenced and only seconds before it was released to the public. We've certainly heard that story before it's not a not a new move, but it is frustrating, and they called it the antithesis of transparency. A couple of things that I found particularly interesting about the bill. In the miscellaneous subtitle, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program or SNAP was addressed, and Thompson, who's the minority leader of the ag committee, wrote that the cost of the program more than doubled from 37 billion in, in 08 to 80 billion at its peak in 13. In 19, the lowest participation numbers were recorded since 08 with 35.7 million individuals receiving the benefits. At the onset of the pandemic, 36.8 million people rece- were receiving benefits, but by June 2021, which is the most recent month with available data, the rolls increased to 42.34 million people, with the average benefit per person $121.13, which increased to $227.23 by June of 21. Um, There was an uptick in early 21 due to the exclusion of the pandemic unemployment insurance. But what was particularly interesting is Thompson said that by not expecting productivity from able-bodied childless SNAP recipients between 18 and 49, in addition to job and wage killing policies, is failing Main Street. They said only 29% of able-bodied childless adults between 18 and 49 reported earned income which is pretty interesting. As far as methane emissions, uh, that's been making its way around Facebook this week. And so 645, which is the Methane Emission Reduction Act of 21, this was considered as an amendment to the Larger Spending Act in committee. And Congressman Mark Wayne Mullins from Oklahoma, you might recall that he put out um, an op-ed, like an editorial saying that there would be like this $6,000 tax per dairy cow, uh, there are just huge numbers, 5,600, 6,500 per dairy cow, 26 per cattle, head of cattle, and 500 per swine, which is all very um, awkward <laughs> to say, but um, that is a tax that was estimated if this were um, applied to the ag segment. As it is written, it is. It only specifies the oil and gas industry, and that is in reference to the greenhouse gas inventory. So, Mark Wayne Mullins' point is that it leaves too much room for the EPA to expand its regulatory reach, but there is no mention of animal agriculture in there. So, it's not. It's not in there. I suppose that the EPA could perhaps finagle it somehow. But those numbers came from the American Farm Bureau Federation just to illustrate to folks on that budget committee how devastating that tax would be if it were expanded to agriculture. So those are not taxes that are that are going to be imposed. Um, the text of the bill establishes a fee that EPA must impose upon and collect from the owner or operator of certain facilities that report methane emissions under the greenhouse gas reporting program for petroleum and natural gas production industry segments. There is no mention of animal ag in there. So I agree that I don't really trust the federal government any further than I can throw them, but um, it's not in there. So, uh, that's, it's just relegated to the oil and gas, which is still not good news for those of us in oil and gas country. Uh, there's lots of other stories in this week's fence post, including John and Kathy Lee, who won the American, All-American Futurity with their horse down at Riadosa. It's kind of a cool story. Lots of good stuff this week in the fence post and another super sweet Uh, cover photo so be sure to check that out by a local photographer right around here carly nichols so you can look for all of those and more and don't forget we have mad jack well mad jack has mad jack calendars we don't have them but those are certainly available he said he's got lots of them so if you're needing a mad jack calendar you can send him an email and i get one ordered thanks so much Mm